Welcome to a special episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles, a podcast for the fans of Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I'm Taya Johnston, and I'm joined by my lovely friends and co-hosts, Lexi Fema and Jen Peterson. Miranda Thomas uh, isn't available at this time, but she might be joining us later. We are lucky enough to be joined by two of our favorite characters in the show, Greg Morton, Mr. Jamie King from Scarecrow Return, and uh, he brought a friend with him. Mr. Paul Stout, uh, a.k.a. Philip King. So Hi. thank you, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Welcome to you, Paul. You haven't hey, been here. Thank you. You haven't thank suffered. You. Greg, welcome back. I don't know who's crazier, the one who didn't know about the show or the one who does and still showed up. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Yet to be determined. Yes. Yeah, we'll see if you ever want to talk to us again, Paul, but Greg seems to, so... There you go. So welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us. We're very happy to have you. It's very kind. It's very kind, and and I'm I'm very I'm very humbled by this opportunity to speak with you and everybody listening to the podcast. And it's always a privilege to talk to my brother Greg. So <laughs> thank you for inviting us. Of course. I second that. It's good to hang out with Paul again, and and always great to hang out with you, ladies. And uh, I'm looking forward to another fun podcast. Trying to get. Jen to laugh at my joke. <laughs> it's her birthday, so you I have a better shot. I'll laugh at it. <laughs> She's older now, so she might find things funnier. I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> yes, not always. But most podcasts I am. But no, I've had a good birthday weekend, so particularly good mood. How about that? <laughs> there you go. You're, you're a shoe in now, Greg. We have some questions for you guys, as we always do. Uh, Greg, you know that. These are going to be kind of for both of you guys. We'll just let you guys fight over it like brothers. Was there ever any sibling rivalry between you guys on the show? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Could you elaborate? (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a long night. Uh, you know, uh, Greg was always a really talented guy, and he had his. Uh, we both were in an opportunity uh, being on Scarecrow, Mrs. King, and being featured with a significant amount of talent. And, you know, we were young bucks growing up, and, uh, you know, we, like any teenage boys, had a rivalry. Nothing ever. Uh, like bad, just more like, you know, we, we really spurred each other on to be better performers and really push the envelope in a lot of the uh, scenes that we worked on together. And there was a lot of, in most of our scenes, actually, there was a lot of ad lib. And uh, Greg was a, a great counterpart to that. And, I, and part of that, part of the fun in our scenes, the chemistry, if you will, came from what I feel was a very real brotherly affection for each other. And that inherently always comes with a little bit of competition. Yeah, I I was gonna say that same thing. Uh, I agree completely that it was we were actually brothers, and I mean we still are. But uh, being so close for so long that you know anything one does, and and Paul being a little older, a little more experienced, uh, you know, it, it, it's that thing that anything that he does, I I wanted to top it and um, and kind of compete with that. So. We were, we were, I mean, we, we were in school together when we were not filming. We were on this set together when we were filming. When we were traveling, we were traveling together, you know. So when you're that close for so long, you're truly brothers. And so you start fighting and you start picking on each other and you start doing things specifically to get on each other's nerves. And, <laughs> and uh, that 
I think that kind of shows up on screen a little bit as as brothers. Yeah, you guys really do come across as, I mean, especially, I, I always remember, like, Philip always would stick his tongue out at Jamie, and it was really fun to see that. Because I had older brothers, and they were totally like that, where they would just pick on each other kind of behind what my mom was doing. And my mom wouldn't see it, but, you know, we would see it happening, and... It just so it was very natural. It came across very natural, I think. It, it really was, and I think it was based a lot off of Greg's talent. I mean, Greg was able to take things and and use it as a manifold, and he is a a, a talent that doesn't often express that uh, in verbiage. He's not overly verbose, but I can tell you that it was a privilege working with him, and also being his uh drama brother but in in my heart felt like a real brother to me and i think the chemistry came across and when we did our final interview with kate uh we did that one scene we were all fake driving in the car and greg and i got in there it was just like we'd known each other our whole lives and it was amazing chemistry so yeah and and it's funny you should bring that up too because i was talking to somebody just the other day about that that very experience and and that audition was probably one of the best experiences of my life because it was so much fun and it was just natural and and uh and and perfect at, in the in the moment it felt like okay this is where all of us not just me but this is where all of us need to be at this very moment yeah so I, yeah, I it, was, it was good working with paul that comes across i mean you guys could tell you really care for each other like throughout the the show it's very cool i was gonna say that it's funny because Greg's book kind of portrays you, Paul, as the instigator in a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> Have you read it, Paul? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I can't deny it. i got to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was a teenage boy, and I could be not always a great person, but it was never born out of no, meanness. No, I meant in a good way, like, like pushing the creativity and, you know, ha- having him grow more as an actor because you were pushing the envelope. I didn't mean in a, in a, you know. It, it, you know, it's funny because people, people realize, people don't realize that acting, you have people that pretend and then you have people that just are. And one of the great things about Greg is he always was in the moment. You know, we as humans try to achieve of being present and Greg at an early age instinctually brought that to the craft and it was cool to watch and really inspired me to really up my game. I mean, I don't think I could have been anywhere near as successful on the show without him, without question. He was that, the reason I was so successful. That's yeah, it that's, is. That's funny because it's it's all about perspective, right? So Jen's talking about my book and, and uh, what Paul sees as being in the moment for me is trying to find my way and, and trying to keep up with the professionals that I'm surrounded by. And so, uh, you know, just trying to do whatever I can to kind of compete with everybody, not just with Paul, but, um, and, and so it, it's interesting to hear that, that other perspective, because I looked up to Paul, Paul was an instigator in, in other ways too, because he's an older brother, right? So I have a, I have an older brother, my, my brother, Jeff, mm-hmm. and then I have Paul and, and so, you know, I'm surrounded by these older brothers that were you know, would pick on me and, and as older brothers would do. And, but, but it was also that Paul had been in the industry for some time. And, uh, so I'm just trying to take cues from him on where to be and, and things like that. So it's interesting that I'm trying to learn from him and that, and that he's, he's trying to learn from me too. So it's all about perspective, which 
it's interesting having this conversation. I, we, we haven't. I mean, we've spoken a lot in the past few months, but since the show ended, Paul and I haven't spoken as much as as I would have liked. I and, yeah, we were both we both well, we had very different pathways. Yeah, you know, I joined the military and I was all over the place, and you know, you you continued on with your path, but I tell you, you weren't always far from my thoughts. I can tell yeah. you that. Oh, you yeah. guys are made to make me Same cry. Way. You're so sweet. Before you came on, Paul, I was telling uh, Greg that we had a call on Friday, and I said it's amazing to me that you would think just the odds alone that one of you guys would be a jerk, but neither one of you are jerks. You guys are like both awesome and and like grew up to be really awesome people. So that was like. It threw me off. I fooled you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you really did. No, I was. This one, this one, (laughs) Greg didn't fool me at all. But no, no. When I met Greg, it was like having a, it was like having a fifth brother. You know, it was just like automatic, like that click where you just click with somebody and you just teasing and joking and stuff, and you can just have that camaraderie. It was nice, and I felt like you know we we hit it off pretty well too on Friday. Just kind of just talking very easily, you know which you wouldn't think so, just meeting somebody. I agree with that. And here's the cool part. You know, getting to getting to know Greg again as, as a man and all the things that he's accomplishing now in his life mm-hmm. and all the great things he's doing now and getting the privilege of meeting you and, and, and everything that you do in your personal life and all you ladies as, we get to, as I get to know you more. And you are all very accomplished professionals. And it's really cool to be a part of a communication or a group of talented fearless women that are out there doing their thing and bring in their own version of the craft. And it's any opportunity to be a part of talented people such as yourselves is just very cool. I, I, I just want to say I have much appreciation to all of you. Well, we appreciate you guys. You, you brought us an awesome show and kept us, uh, we all connected, except for Lexi and I, we would have met anyways, but Jen and I and Miranda, and, uh, we all met because of the show. So that we, we bonded, you know, through that. So that's been awesome too. So. It's just a mutual admiration society here. (laughs) Time for the next question. So what are your memories, both of you guys? Uh, I know we asked this a little bit of you, Greg, but if anything's jogged uh, since then, what are your memories of filming uh, the season two European episodes? Anything, any particular stories? You got to tell that one. Please tell the one about the Lamborghini. (laughs) Uh, I want to hear Greg go first. Okay. He had a lot of great memories. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I uh, I probably have the most uh, probably have the most vivid memories of uh, being in Germany. For us, it was just Germany. That's uh, we were in Munich for two weeks, and uh, and so there's that's the most. I, those are the most photos that I have of being on set or being around filming um, because for us it was a vacation. So I look at a lot of those pictures and 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 able to remember what it was like to be um, out there in, in front of the glockenspiel and, and, and filming and, and it's how the, how the crowds, they don't, they can block the crowds from being in your space, but they can't tell the crowds to go away. And, and so if you look at those episodes, all the crowds are like staring at all the actors and the cameras and everything because they can't legally tell them to, to go away. And, and it, I remember being in there and it's like, it's like acting in a fishbowl, you know, but, um, I, I have a lot of memories. Most, I, I would say that even here domestically or, or even in Germany, most of my memories are, um, are behind the scenes, mm. you know, 
Um, I have I, I still struggle with with memories of being actually on camera. Um, a lot of my experiences that I that I hold really dear and and that I remember the most are stuff that happened off camera. And because for me that was the best part of the the whole show was the relationships that I had, the times that I spent. Um, Paul, in my book, there's the the story of us flying back from Germany and getting caught in all the eastern sea yep, storms. storms. That's right. And then being on the plane for so long, and then being on the tarmac for so long, and then finally getting into the into the uh, wait. Hold on. Have all three of you ladies read my book? Yes, of course. Okay, just checking. I just just wanted to make sure because if not, I'm going to be ashamed of this book. <laughs> How tall are you available at (laughs) Amazon.com? We did a show on your book, just on your book, remember? We all read Uh, it. Yeah, see, I'm going to get Paul a copy. Uh, I love that. It's funny because those those are the things that I remember is, uh, I think it was your aunt that that we stayed with, your aunt or your uncle. um, Yeah. Uh, that we stayed with uh, there in in what is it Virginia or whatever because yeah. we were laid over and, oh, and those are, the, those are wow. the experiences those are the things that I remember about that are attached to the show is that you know times that I spent away from the, the yeah show. that'd be more precious you know because it's something that nobody else got to experience except you guys yeah and yeah. and my relationship with Paul was we were family. You know, his mom, his brothers, my brother, my mom, the the group, that group was kind of how we palled around most of the time. Even even here in Burbank, you know, um, Paul's mom would bring the boys and, and, you know, in the summertime or as, as school got out, my mom would bring my brother and then all of us would kind of hang out. And, hmm. and so those are, those are the, the, the best memories that I have of the show. Kate Jackson, too. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, Katie was very protective of us, and I remember that uh, uh, to Greg's point about you know the show, and and Katie was always very kind to us boys, and she was very much a powerful person in show business. I mean, she was uh, some one of the first female directors. She was also an executive producer. She owned the production company that helped produce the show. I mean, there was some very significant firsts from Kate. And she never failed to make both Greg and I, at least from my perspective, um, feel warmed and loved. And and honestly, the affection that you saw on set uh, when she communicated with us was genuine. And and uh, you know I could recall several scenes where Greg and I were together, and the chemistry was palpable. I mean, I, I remember the one scene where you know I I placed in the science fair uh, second and yeah. the whole scene with Francine or uh, not Francine Magda Magda yeah, yeah. dead ringer yeah and it was intense you know and and Greg and I you know were on the set and and when, when that's when there was a couple different cuts of that I wish it would have actually made it to the final but they ended up on the edit floor showed some very powerful moments as us as a family it was kind of like us versus the world and in my experience uh, just to let you guys know, my, my father was a police officer and he was killed in line of duty. So it was really just my brothers and my mom and I, 
from a very early age. And, you know, the privilege of working with Greg on the set was, is when we were working together in the same, you know, from a, a fantasy perspective with, with Kate and us, it really was, again, us versus the world. So a lot of the, I, I want to say that, you know, and Greg is a very talented actor, but a lot of it was just, it felt real. It was very visceral. And there was a lot of energy and a lot of power uh, when we worked off each other. And, and I think that one of the gifts that we had, and, and, and this is something for everybody, is that acting, even if you don't become famous, can also be a very cathartic process. Mm-hmm. And for me, it allowed me to express myself in many different ways. And then working with incredibly powerfully talented people like Beverly and Martha and Katie and Greg and all these, and Bruce and all these amazing people, it allowed you to be another version of yourself and express it in a way that was safe. You know, Greg would, we've had several scenes on set where Greg would actually break out and do an improv kind of approach. And it made so much sense. It actually made it to take. Hmm. And it was based off, and we took our, and we each, each one of us took our, our, our ping off each other. There was a one scene where Greg and I were working together specifically and this, the material wasn't quite the, quite up to snuff. And it was, it called for me to call Greg an Applehead. And I said, that's ridiculous. No brothers talk to each other like that. <laughs> and, and the producer apparently, and he also wanted us to mention a specific name. And I'm like, that makes no sense. And turns out like, you know, this guy had written a scene or whatever, but he also happened to be a guest producer or whatever. And what it was is Greg says, that's not how I talk to Paul. I would say this. And then Katie goes, I like that. So then, then Greg and I started riffing off each other, just like we did in that last interview. And Katie, myself, Beverly, and Greg riffed that entire scene into an impromptu, and it was brilliant. Wow. And again, it's that chemistry. It's a one in a million. I mean, honestly, when you get cast together, there has to be more than just acting. Yeah. There has to be a willingness to share. And as an actor, it's a vulnerability. You are exposing yourself because you are, you're putting your creativity out there, and there's no way to second think it. Not real acting. Real acting is, is there. It's in the moment. Like Greg was always so good at. The hardest part about being in the scene was remembering not to overdo it. Not to put too much into it just to let it happen. And Greg was just a natural. Just a natural. He would just riff it. He's and, over there nodding. And, yeah, I, I, he was. <laughs> it was so cool. Like, there was a scene where uh, we were all, there was an opening scene, credit scene, where we had those 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 earphones on, like I'm kind of wearing yeah. now, except they were like giant cans. I mean, I can't even imagine the wattage those things put out, put out <laughs> but I'm sure if I turned those things on, it'd have been an instant brain tour. <laughs> but that whole scene was riffed. A lot of that stuff that ended up being seen over and over again in the credit scenes were riffed. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a cool, cool moment, you know, and, and, and Greg always brought his A-game. Every single time to set, there was always this, this is our thing. And we were on set, we were on fire. And when we worked with other kids that were on set, Greg actually, as young as he was, and I mean this with absolute admiration, was a leader unto himself. There would be kids, we did the pilgrim scene, um, and there was a bunch of other actors, young actors on the set, and they gravitated towards Greg. And Greg was always kind, and he was always sharing. And a lot of these actors, this was their first break. You know, and they're working with Greg and I, and, you know, this is a big show, and this was, you know, at the time, it was well, it was the number one show in the country. And, you know, Greg was always kind to people. Greg never forgot to say thank you and please. He was always raised well, and he made everybody feel safe. 
And, you know, for all the bad stories you hear coming out of Hollywood, yeah. Greg was an example of one of those amazing people that you just couldn't help but like. Of all the bad stories you hear coming out of Hollywood about Greg. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to finish the sentence for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you guys both came out of that. I mean, there are a lot of kids who, I think it, it also shows how strong your family life was, too, to keep, you guys were kept grounded where not all the kids are, you know, like you look at Drew Barrymore and, you know, people like that where they just can run, you know, all over the place and do get into a lot of yeah. bad things, you know? Well, Drew was a friend of mine. We grew up together. Love and, her, um, by the way. And one of the things about Drew is, is that she didn't have as much of a parental supervision per se right. as, as Greg and I did. Greg's mom and his parents were always there, always, always, always there for him. And my mom was always there. Mm -hmm. And Drew um, was challenged by that. And so we were very fortunate to have that kind of interaction. And that's one of the reasons why Spielberg uh, ended up being uh, Drew's godfather, uh, among other people. But uh, Stephen was always kind of stepped into those roles and helped her, you know, grow as a human. And, and Drew's grown. Into oh, yeah, she's awesome. And, yeah, she's, yeah, she's talk awesome. about a powerful woman. I mean, she is. And, and in a lot of ways, uh, inspiring. And, and so it, it's kind of weird when you talk about, you know, these different people and to Greg and I, these are people we grew up with. I mean, I, I can't, I, I spent a lot of time with Drew growing up as a kid. You know, I remember meeting her at the Youth and Film Awards. I remember hanging out with Steven Spielberg at his house. I remember hanging out with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman all the time. You know, we had the Alfie Soda Pop clubs and stuff that, and Greg, you, you went to those too, didn't you? Yeah, some of those parties. Soda pop clubs. Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. And so, and Greg was a big deal back then. And, and we both were, you know. <laughs> back then. Shows. Did you hear that, Greg? Back then. You I, were. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby. I'm not even close now. Not even close. He's like, Greg, who? No. Yeah. You're a big deal to oh, us, Greg. That's I'm awesome. a big deal to myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go up here and I go, hey, how you doing? And then I keep walking. <laughs> All right, Paul, can you tell us the, the Lamborghini story? Okay, Greg, I don't know if you remember this or not. Do you remember that, that, that the Lamborghini that was in that scene they were driving around out front? Do you remember that? Uh, in Germany. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so there's a background story. So check this out. Uh, Dennis Duckwall... Oh, Bruce boy. <laughs> and one other, and I, Michael Masciano, I think it was name was, one of the other producers, had made a deal with the Lamborghini sales guy that they were shipping this Lamborghini to some Italian prince guy or some prince of something, right? And so um, they said, look, we just like to do a couple shots with it, right? So, the, so you know, they threw this guy some, some cheddar and, you know, they're like, yeah, 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 you can use, this, use the car, but don't drive it a lot. You know, we got to deliver this thing or whatever, right? So Greg and I, and Greg, I, I, you have to remember this, piled us. The producer said, hey, you, got, you boys might go for a ride. We're like, heck yeah. <laughs> so we piled the both of us in the front seat of this thing. And no, we were not wearing a seatbelt. It was the 80s. Of, of course you weren't. <laughs> like a bat out of hell. And we weren't driving, of course. We were too little. And we were like driving, cutting corners and everything else and having a blast time. Of course, all of it was like uber dangerous. And we were like going way too fast. And you know, all this crazy, crazy, and we had the best time. So at the end, when they were supposed to turn this car over to the Prince, they had like 370 <laughs> miles on this thing. Everybody and their brother had taken a crack at this car and drove the hell out of it. I think they smoked the clutch. I mean, it was, oh, it was, no. It was terrible. And, and, 
and the, and the funny thing is, the sales guy, I think I'm getting a lot of trouble because the guy refused the car. He goes, I, I'm not picking this car. It's like a used <laughs> car. And, and uh, so, yeah, no, it was a legit car. I'd never been in a Lamborghini before. Yeah, I hadn't either. And, and we wow. were screaming and yelling, and the guy was cutting corners because he says, hey, you want to see a car that turns on rails? I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Now you turn. do. Rick and I are crushed against the window. You know, it's like we became, you know, like symbiosis. It was crazy. You know, we're cut through these streets, blasting through. I'm surprised that the policia didn't pull us over because we hadn't been doing like 100 miles an hour. It was, it was awesome. It was just that absolutely awesome. awesome. It was a lot of fun. guy who was driving. Honestly, I think it, I think one, I think, I'm not sure, no, it wasn't the stunt guy because Gary had more common sense than that. I think he was one of the producers. <laughs> Wow. So yeah. remain nameless kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> Statue of limitations, Jen. Wow, that's awesome. That's a great story. Okay, well, you kind of touched on this, but, and you, you, I know, Greg, you have, but uh, what was your relationship like with Kate Jackson? Go ahead, Paul. Oh, thank you. Uh, my relationship with Katie uh, was very close, and uh, she was really... She really kind of was on, her, on, on, on set mom in a way. She was very careful. I remember a couple of times being sick on set and, uh, you know, and me, myself like, Greg, we, we don't quit. We show up, we do our work. And uh, I was super sick. I was so, so sick. And Katie was the one that brought me tea and had her assistant, you know, look after me between takes because I was sick, sick. I had a really mm. bad flu. But I didn't want to hold a production because I remember, I, I forgot when it was, we had a production delay or whatever. And I remember one of the, uh, stage manager saying it was like 10 grand an hour or something, some crazy figure uh, for every hour that we weren't actively in pro- being productive on set. So I never wanted to be that guy. So, right. you know, Katie was always very kind to both Greg and I. And again, Katie was a part of that, that dynamic that made it feel like a family. But, you know, she'd be, you know, she'd make sure that the other actors were really up to snuff. Like she would, she would get on. She'd say, look, I need this from you. I need that from you. But when Katie addressed Greg and I, it was like, okay, boys, this is what we're looking for. And and, and she was and she just pulled out. It would be this natural thing. And it was just like Greg and I just naturally went there with her. And, and it was a really cool part of the scenes. I mean, there was a scene where Greg and I were in the back of a car and we were escaping from like, I think it was like a Frosties or something like that. And and I remember like the, the you know, sliding, sliding, sliding around in the back of the car as we were kind of doing these tight turns and everything and being with Katie and just always being safe with her and always feeling like she really was a mother to us in a lot of ways. You know, Katie invited us over to her house. Katie was always making sure that we had our birthday presents. You know, she always made sure uh, to remember us on set, you know, and, and if, if Greg, I remember she would take some time, like if Greg was feeling unsure or about something she would take the time as busy as she was to stand by by him and have a conversation and give him the respect of talking to him not to him but with him and she did the same for me and it was it it was a gift that uh i'll never forget and i think that that had it was formative in my life and it really made a big impression that i mean that's amazing because i mean you know you think oh that's just a mother in her but she wasn't a mother i mean at that point She she wasn't so i mean that's pretty that's pretty awesome that she would be that helpful and care. Well she really spent she a lot of time being a mother in her though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. Seem, was, it seemed like it was always natural it's... on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Didn't and, come across. And, and, and with Beverly too, uh, you know, she and Katie together, it's like honestly, honest to God, we I felt I felt it was just such an amazing experience because Beverly would look after us. 
But she was a little different than Katie, though. She'd kind of cock up an eyebrow, and you're like, okay, whatever, bro. Because Greg and I, you know, we're brothers, right? We're going to start we're gonna start getting, you know, acting like brothers, and she'd cock up an eye. And that was the end of it, and we just kind of go sit back down again. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Katie, Katie was the warm, inviting, kind of playful, and and Beverly was the disciplinary. No nonsense. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. We started getting out of control, and, and she would... Yeah, Beverly would be like, mm, nope, let's get back yeah. to work. And Normally the grandma's the one who lets you get away with things, not the mom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. She Beverly liked to have fun. Yeah. She absolutely liked to have fun. But, uh, you know, she didn't take any crap either. And and so when it was time to stop screwing around, she'd let everyone know it's time to stop screwing around. <laughs> Playtime's over. Let's go. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what about... I know you guys didn't really film a lot with Bruce until the the fourth season, but what was your, I guess, relationship with him? Either one of you. Right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, before, I, before I start with Bruce, uh, there's two things about uh, Kate that I want to yeah. um, point out. Um, Paul mentioned something about, you know, if I was struggling, Kate would uh, spend time speaking with me. And that's, that's 100% true. Um, there'd be these really quiet moments uh between us where we were almost whispering and she would she would engage that she would instigate that she would you know if i was having if i had a question or if i if i was challenged with something she would kind of get real close like a mom does Hmm. and just start whispering and say okay like talk to me about what's going on and and we would have this dialogue and she would block out the rest of the world just so that she could have a conversation with one of her boys and, and I know awesome. she did that with Paul and and I know I know she did it with me and and to to have that experience with her changes how you feel about what you're doing in the moment and it was it was incredible the other thing is too uh is that when Chris and I would come around she would invite the boys into her uh trailer for Christmas presents Yep. So we would actually, all of us would go into her trailer and and celebrate Christmas around that time that we were doing filming for that show um, every year. And so it was kind of this neat thing where we'd all kind of just pile into her trailer. And like, I've got pictures of uh, my mom and my brother and my, my grandmother in there. Um, Paul's with us, his family. And it, it, it was this... Like she would just say, okay, it's family time and, and, uh, you know, we're not filming right now. So just come in and we're going to celebrate Christmas. And, and those, those are like special moments. Cause she'd go out and she, you know, I don't know if she'd have someone do it, but she would buy Christmas gifts for everybody. And then you just That's you'd very go cool. to her trailer and celebrate Christmas. It was pretty cool. It seemed like you guys had a safe environment to like try different things. And, and if, if you, weren't sure she was there. It, it, it seems like that's probably why it was as natural as it was. Cause you knew if you could try things without feeling like, Oh, I'm going to get ridiculed or I'm going to get yelled at for, for doing something out of the box. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, she was super supportive of that. But more importantly though, also let me, let me be very clear. Katie was also a natural cinematographer. I don't know if people knew that or not, but she had an incredible eye for the camera and her behind the sets, the behind the scenes when she directed was 
really cool. She did some noir genre stuff yeah, she with did. the camera that was super cool. But Katie would demand the best. I mean, as, as accepting as she was, she had a standard, and Greg and I were very aware of that going in. And But see, she showed us so much love. We came to the set knowing that that's where we needed to be, and that was okay, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, but Katie had a high standard. She really wanted greatness from the show. And it reflected in the fact that, you know, even going back and watching the show now and watching with my daughter, and she's like, oh, my gosh, Dad, I'm so scared. Are they going to kidnap you? You know, when we <laughs> watch the show. And she goes, you know, that's a scary thing. And, you know, the acting is really good. The scripts are really good. And Katie was involved in a lot of that and, yeah. and shaping the scripts and shaping the storyline. And, and it was just, it was really cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. All right. You want to know about Bruce? Yeah. Bruce who? <laughs> <laughs> that big goofy guy, you know. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't actually remember filming with Bruce, um, but I do remember when he'd be on, on set uh, at the King house for when he'd be, you know, a peeping Tom in the bushes. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. This creepy yeah. guy in the Another creepy bushes, here. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and I just remember it, everyone knew when Bruce was on set because he, it was just, he was just a presence. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was pretty cool because he is still. And, uh, t- have you all, you've all met him, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, because yep. we met him at the, or you guys met him at the uh, the Hollywood show. The reunion. Yeah, well, yeah. the Hollywood show before that. Oh, the Hollywood show. Okay. Yeah. He just when he walks into a room, every everyone knows it. Yeah. Whether it's a, the Hollywood show or whether it's a set, um, he's a big guy. He's he's kind of loud, uh, just naturally, <laughs> and uh, he's hilarious. He's very observant. And you forgot so, good looking, and, Greg. <laughs> I'm just kidding there. He's dreamy. <laughs> he's not ugly. <laughs> uh, he's not I something mean, he's no, harsh to look yes. at, yeah. But, right, know, he's not you. I mean, he he was born with a chin, or some of us weren't. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so that's what I remember. And so I remember him coming on set and it being a big deal that Bruce is there. Yeah. Because we normally didn't film with him. And, and so when he was there, it was it was pretty special. And uh, my mom enjoyed, really enjoyed the days that Bruce was filming. I remember that most. My mom being all excited, driving in, hey, guess who's on the set today? <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Don't tell your dad, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, she didn't care if my dad knew. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Paul? Do you have memories of uh, filming with him in the fourth season at all? Yeah, well, yes, I do. Okay. I, I have a few. Uh, there was this cool scene where we were out in the jungle. It's actually the back lot of Warner Brothers. And they were uh, there was a gun scene where everybody was shooting and stuff. And uh, Gary, the uh, stunt coordinator, was off to the side. And everybody had, you know, the guns and stuff. And, you know, they had AK-47s out there. And they had Walther PP-8s and a few other uh, weapons. And uh, during the scene, uh, you know, you know, Scarecrow was out there running and gunning and doing all this other stuff. Well, what happened was, and this was a mistake, um, somewhere somebody didn't clear the weapon. So what happened was, is while Bruce was talking, he was talking to a bunch of people. He had he had the, the handgun in his hand, and, you know, these were blanks, of course. And remember, we're all chatting, and he's talking. He's really got this great story, and he's talking about something. I don't know what it was, a Western or whatever else, and he's yakking and talking and stuff. 
and the sidearm went off by accident. Now nobody got hurt. It was oh my goodness! Round. Everybody jumped, and it was like what, what, what? So of course Bruce, being Bruce, going and I'll tell you what, <laughs> you made a joke out of it. But then <laughs> Gary came up and said, "Give me that." <laughs> Took it back, but wow. You know, it, 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 it's funny. Bruce was always a very magnanimous, easygoing. He, honest to God, the guy's got a soul of a cowboy. I mean, he oh, really, for really sure. does. And, uh, you know, Bruce is also uh, was really, really good friends with Kenny Rogers. He had a ton of stories about Kenny Rogers. And he talked about Westerns. He was a big fan of the Duke. You know, it was cool to hear, you know, his take on Hollywood. And he himself had accomplished a lot. And, uh, you know, he liked to get out there and the physicality that he brought, you know, to the set and the things that he liked to do. And, and he really was, uh, you know, a workhorse for a better lack of analogy. And again, he was all, I got a picture of us where I'm wearing lederhosen and Greg and I are in his lap. And I yes. believe we were in Germany. Yeah. And that was us. I mean, that wasn't a posted, hey, why don't you stand there? No, yeah. Put your hand there. That was just us hanging out. I love that picture. You guys look like such a little family. It's so cute. We really were. Yeah. We really were. And, you know, and, and Greg and I had a great time with Bruce. And, of course, the girls, you know, anytime Bruce was on the set, everybody from the stand-ins to the extras to the makeup ladies, you'd hear a collective sigh as he walked by. <laughs> uh, you know, and we kind of looked around. We're like, because... Greg and I quite weren't there yet. Uh, we're like, hey, you know what? what what's all that we're about? We're still not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I still don't see it. <laughs> but whatever. Exactly. He's looking, whatever. Yeah, it's like, whatever. It's just Bruce. That's just funny. Bruce. But yeah, no, Bruce was always really, really great that way. And, you know, when he had his boys and Kitty, I remember when his uh, first wife, Kitty, was pregnant with his first son and you know all of those things that that transpired it was just a very cool experience to be a part of his family as well that's nice very cool okay good i know greg you told us about how beverly helped you get lyle alzado's autograph do you have any fun stories of beverly paul that you can share i've got too many Um, (laughs) can you give us one i've got too many so uh this is a true story so uh beverly and my mom uh like like greg's mom were very close she was kind of like the the chief mom on set and she always made sure, and, she, and when Greg and I got to, she'd take us in her, she had a Jaguar, and she drives us around Ooh. the house. Up. That was the coolest thing ever. And she had a hill, she had a house up in Hollywood Hills, and we'd go up there, and I remember one time, I'll never forget this. So my brothers and I were up there at her house having a barbecue or something, and uh, I remember my brothers and I were playing in the pool, and <laughs> my brothers and I got in a fight, and somebody got smacked, and there was a bloody nose. And I remember coming in. Oh, it was bad. Oh, no. So we come in drop, drenched in water. I mean, this is a you know, multi-million dollar home. And us boys come crawling through the house. we got water all over us. My brothers and I are arguing. And Beverly cocked up again, one eyebrow, and says, all right. And then we stopped. And we, she goes, boys? And we're like, yes, ma'am. She goes, who started it? <laughs> she goes, it doesn't matter. Just go outside and calm down. <laughs> just like that. Just and, uh, commands it. Was, it. It, was just, it was so cool. And, and you know, she'd always been very generous with her time. And, uh, yeah, no, it was it was kind of interesting. And, and I remember, this is a true story. Greg and I were having a, a moment being teenage boys. And, and Beverly said something to me once, and I'll never forget it. She goes, you know, look, you know, Greg is his own person. But Greg is also a brother to you, and you need to be a brother to him. So remember in all of the teasing that you're doing, Paul, remember to treat him with respect. 
and make sure that he feels safe too. And that was a comment that she made to me because she was starting to see, you know, us boys, you know, we're, we're young, we're, we're teenager, you know, mm-hmm. tr- teenagers and stuff. But that was a moment. And she says, you will always have him if, if, if you're good. And, and, and she wasn't wrong. And I think that that, that one moment, that, 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 that conversation, that short three, four sentence conversation has had an everlasting impact. And Greg and I are still friends today because of it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure, especially as you, you're getting older, you, you know, I know my brothers when, you know, one of them was kind of like starting to go off, then the other ones were feeling left out. And, you know, it was, it's easy to kind of just leave them in the dust because you're going, moving on to bigger and better things kind of thing. So that's very cool that she saw that and kind of had you stop and think. Very nice. Uh, the answer to the question to Paul, uh, for the ladies is, uh, who started it? The answer is Paul started it. <laughs> Paul, were you the, are you the oldest? Probably not wrong. <laughs> With your brothers, are you the oldest? I'm sorry, of my brothers? Of your brothers, yeah. Are you the oldest? Um, of, well, of my brothers, but I had a, a older sister and then okay. an adopted older brother that was occasionally on set. Uh, oh, okay. But I was for more or less the oldest in a way. Okay. So. Okay. That's awesome. Um, you and, hold on, Tay. You, Ricky, and Scott? Mm-hmm. Right. So the three, the three of you are the, the three that were most together the most. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And the, and your, Ricky and Scott are younger than you. They are. Okay. They are. Okay. That's what I thought. And they all came on set? They did. They, and they were even in the show. They yeah. Were the we show. were talking yes. the other day. We were talking. Um, I didn't realize that uh, your brother Scotty was also on the show. So he was in the first episode. Yeah. In the, in the Cub in Scout the scene. Cub Scout scene. We had each other tied up. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think yeah. it would have been fun to be a brother or mother of like kids like you guys because you could just observe everything yeah be just so much to, to take in and not have any stress well <laughs> i guess except when bruce came on apparently you know it's interesting because you know a lot of kids in hollywood you know there is some truth to you know the hollywood whatever and greg and i were never allowed that was never even indulged that was not an option not with beverly not with katie not with anybody on set it just wasn't tolerated and um and we knew that and we weren't raised that way anyway so it was less of a problem but we had other kids on set that would kind of act out and i'll be i'll be doggone i mean between greg's mom or my mom or beverly if anybody was acting out on set one of the three of them would take care of it and that was the end of the conversation tight ship no they worked together really well that's awesome yeah my my mom definitely wouldn't have it she she wouldn't have it in a in an audition for like a commercial or something if there was if there was a kid in the room acting foolish, my mom would speak up. Wow. My mom just was not having it. Yeah. Good for her. So definitely on set, uh, and Paul's mom was the same way. You know, on set, if there was something happening, the moms would speak up. They're like, I we don't care that this is a big television Hollywood thing. Like, you know, the kids the kids have to behave a certain way and you know the adults do too. And the adults yeah. do too. Yeah, and, and I, I actually remember a specific uh, time where some of the some of the uh, I guess the day daytime actors or the day players that were on the set that weren't necessarily you know principal principals were acting acting a bit foolish, 
And I remember my mom and Greg's mom having a conversation, and it was Katie that walked over and had a conversation. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen a bunch of grown men stand up straighter in my life. <laughs> oh, damn. She, I mean, she put a quick end to that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because one of the things that Katie, and I, and I really love that because Greg's mom is a powerful, strong woman, and my mom was nobody to play with. But Katie loved that about our moms, and she really emphasized that. And when, when people on set would be less than gentlemanly, not that it happened very often, it was extremely rare. But if somebody made the error of being disrespectful at any way or shape or form, Katie was super quick to deal with it. And, you know, yeah. Bruce was always a gentleman, and, you know, Mel was always a gentleman and a scholar. I mean, just a bright guy. You know, everybody had just a lot of respect uh, for our female colleagues. And, they, and we learned very early on to respect women and to watch women and to admire them. And to see what women can do, you got to understand, this is back in the 80s. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Know, that's really feminine, early on. <laughs> feminine power was still in its, in its nascent phase. There was a lot of accomplishments being made, but there were a lot more strides that needed to be accomplished. For and sure. on that set, and still do. respect yeah. was paramount. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that about uh, Katie, and I love that about Greg's mom. And, and it was more about... You know, you don't need to step on people to show to show that you're important, mm -hmm. that if you are important, it just is. And the lessons that I received watching Greg's mom and my mom and Katie was first and foremost, respect is important. And, you know, we worked with I mean, look, Katie was stunning. Martha was stunning. We had a bunch of beautiful women on set. Yeah. Don't be caught. Be, you know, that cat calling stuff and all that. other yeah. whistling. Unless it was in joke and it better be something everybody was cool with. You didn't do it. Yeah. You just didn't. And I thought that was a really cool thing because even today I took that into my professional life. I mean, you know, it's amazing what you learn in your younger years and how profound a message that is later on. Mm -hmm. Well, we've all sort of, as women, talked about that in particular with the show because it did have a very strong female character at a time in the 80s when there weren't a lot, you know. I think that is one thing I at least, and I know others have kind of grew up with, you know, I came from a very traditional family, but I chose to pick out all the instances where there was a very strong female character because they were great role models at the time for all of us in, in, in different ways. So, yeah, I think that's why this group is together. We're we're all very strong women so that we and we believe in that and without making the male counterparts anything less than they are. But that we feel like we're just as equal. So I think that's what, what draws us together for us to do this show is because at the time, especially the eighties and Lexi didn't have the privilege of growing up in the eighties to know this, but like, so she, you know, she's lives it in a different, through a di different perspective. But I think that's what kind of brought us all together with this in, in doing the podcast is like highlighting those areas that we do spend a lot of time when we're talking about the show like you know when the men are doing like manhandling Amanda it's like why are they doing you know we, we get on them as soon as we see it like what is this why are they doing that you know she's gonna you know she's gonna backhand them you know kind of thing so I think that's what kind of that, that that comes across very very much in the show because it drew it drew us to it I think well, I got to be, there's a couple things that I don't know, Greg, I don't know if you remember this in center or not, but Katie was very insistent on realness and physicality. And, you know, this is Kate Jackson. I mean, when some of those scenes where they grab on her stuff, yeah. she's to be terrified. This is Kate Jackson. Yeah, that's what we said. We say it all the time. Thin person. Yes. So you want to just, 
you know, and me now as a grown man, I mean, I can't even imagine what it'd be like just to, you know, like try to be rough with her because you'd be terrified to hurt her. But she's right. like, I'm not breakable. You know, I'm not going to break. Do what you have to do. Right. Stay in the seat. That's what we figured she did. And that's, that's feminine power to be able to stand up and stand there and say, I'm not going to break. I'm not frail. I can take it. Mm-hmm. And she did. Yeah. yeah. And she led. And that, that moment. And, and the funny thing is, is, and then Kate would come off and she'd take a break. And yeah, it's, it's strenuous. I mean, guys are big, they're strong. We're, you know, we'd knock into stuff and she'd sit with Greg's mom or she'd sit with my mom or, or Beverly. They'd have kind of like a woman camp and Greg and I'd be running up and we could see they're having a conversation. And we knew that was not the time to bug them. So Exit stage. Out. Right. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what though, Katie brought it every single time. And it's, it's, it's not, it's, I think it's super important that, you know, back then, and I mean this back then, she didn't even think twice about it. It's like, no, we're going to, I'm going to stand out front. I'm going to own my own production company. I'm going to film. And she encouraged, I remember her encouraging Greg. I remember her talking to Greg and saying, reach for your dreams, go for it. Hmm. And I can't tell you, you, she's a powerful, intelligent, famous person. And words like that spoken to us boys were incredible. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I think real equality for women is not when, oh, well, you're important too. How about you're just important? Yeah. How about that? How, yeah. about, how about the fact that it, we don't have to say, oh, but you're important too as a woman. No, you're just important. And, and Katie brought that. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and she also made sure that the women on set brought their A game and everybody did. And that's real leadership. And that's real, that's real power. And I, I was always inspired by that. Yeah, it seemed like Sabrina Duncan for right. Exactly. She was the best angel. Yes, she was. Oh, by far. I I have a I have a mask. You know, we're in COVID COVID life now. I have a Charlie's Angels mask. And Friday night, I was standing in line at Chick Fil A getting something, and a a a young. She was probably in her mid twenties. She's behind my husband, and she looks over and she goes are you wearing, is that Charlie's Angels? And I said, I go, yeah. She goes, you just made my day. And she got all teary-eyed. And she goes, thank you for wearing that today. I needed that. I was like, I go, well, you're welcome. And I'm like, turn around like, what the heck? But yeah, she was like in her early mid, early to mid twenties. I wouldn't have thought any, you know, that she would even know who they were, but she totally did. It was pretty cool. So it like inspires even the next generation, which is great. It's not easy you know, I have a job very much in a man's world. Yes. And I have to... What do you do? Uh, if you don't want to I'm an environmental toxicologist. She's a doctor. Basically, I I work on cleaning up big contaminated sites. Across the super country, fun? Super fun sites. But most of the colleagues I work with are men. And I've been fighting against in science discipline, fighting against that perception from day one. And that's one thing... I know she must have had that same fight. Yes. So I have a lot of respect for that because, like you say, Paul, you know, you're in the moment, you're being that person. At the same time, you have to fight a hundred times, and I mean this, yes. especially in the '80s, you have to fight a hundred times harder than anyone else to do that. To just get to that point, it's gotten better, a lot better. But you know, back when I was going for my PhD or doing a lot of my work it was very difficult to compete it's because I was a woman and a blonde woman. Nobody thinks a blonde woman is intelligent. If I had wow. my hair, I'd get a lot more respect. <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't. I'm a brunette and you don't believe me. 
I work in automotive and it's just as bad. You know, you, if, if you, if you try and explain your, your opinion, you're raising your voice. Calm down. I'm not, I, I haven't gotten, oh, I haven't done it. Lexi knows we oh, work together. No. It's like, wow, when really? has anybody ever calmed wow. down after being told to calm down first off? But secondly, it's that women's voices somehow, uh, when you're, when you're taking a stance on something, sup- it's supposedly uh, erratic and, and loud and, and it's not. We're just having an opinion and you're not listening to it and you're closing off what you're hearing, you know, in, in some circumstances. Not all men are like that at all. But working, and Jen and I both came up with this around the same time, in the 90s, it, it was not the same place as it is right now at all for women. We had to work twice as hard to get half as far. And I can only imagine what it was like in the 80s. How hard she had to work, as talented as she was, just being a woman, you're kind of... And then as beautiful uh, as she was, too. You yeah. know, so, I mean, that's yeah. the first thing they're going to see and, and not expect her to be intelligent, but, you know? Especially in Hollywood. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, both Greg and I are fathers of daughters. Yeah. And, um, and you know, for us, my, my, my little girl can wrestle, she can wear dresses, she can speak languages, she can get out there. And like like my daughter, Greg's daughters are gorgeous. Yep. And, you know, the first thing we're the most proud, at least for me, and I know for Greg too, is that our daughters are independent-minded, they're strong women, and they're going out there and making a difference. And I get all of that leads to a single cause where our interactions with Katie and watching that. And, uh, you know, and I haven't had the opportunity to meet Greg's daughters yet, but just the way... Him and his wife speak about I've it. met one. Like very people. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I have met your daughter, and your daughter's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I've seen a picture. She's very cute. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure she's uh, going to be a badass woman, too. That's awesome. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So every superhero has an origin story. So what's yours? How did you get into acting? We, we got to read Greg's story, so tell us about, about yours, Paul. They know all about me, Paul. Go ahead. <laughs> I thought you were more interesting, brother. You're both I, I interesting. Really <laughs> You're both pretty girls. <laughs> so uh, for me, it was a little different. Uh, I was uh, a kid growing up, uh, middle America. My dad was a police officer. Uh, you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And uh, my dad thought it would be interesting for us boys to try. And my mom was dead set against it. She didn't want us in Hollywood. She didn't want us to be one of those Hollywood types. You know, she grew up old school. And uh, she's like, look, she goes, David, I don't really have time for this. That was my father's name. And she's like, and dad was like, look, Dina, just give him a chance. You know, look what. So my mom, being my mom, and this is, (laughs) Greg can attest to this. She's a bit strong-willed. Uh, said, look, he's not doing those acting classes thing. He's going to go out on one interview, and if he doesn't get the job, we're not doing this. And my agent was like, what? Wow. You can't do that. Nobody gets the first job. Well, I did. <laughs> of I course. The second one, and I third one. And then uh, early on, I had the privilege of working with Greg on Scarecrow's King. That's awesome. But for my father, it turned out pretty good because uh, my father uh, was, like I said, he was killed when I was 10. The day after Christmas. Wow. wow. Oh, and, that's um, awful. I'm so sorry. So for me, my income from Scarecrow Mrs. King literally kept my family alive. Wow. Uh, because, you know, a, a, a pension back then was nothing. And we had three boys, three boys in a house. And, mm. you know, that, that being on set, being with Greg, being with everybody else wasn't just a vocation. It was our income. My mom had no, I mean, when you think about it, 
three boys, and this is the 80s, and, you know, it's tough to make a living as a woman, and women still today don't get paid the same as their male counterparts. Amen. And, And so, and you being an HR specialist, you've seen that inequity. And so imagine it was tenfold worse back then. So it was it was do or die for us. And um, it was a serious deal. And that's one of the reasons why my mom would bring my brothers to the set because she had nobody else to watch. Wow. And so that was kind of my origin story in the show business. And I was just very fortunate. Uh, and uh, it just came, the acting and the experience were uh, an opportunity that I embraced. And I got lucky to work with people like Greg and Beverly and Katie and everybody else that really brought out the best in me. Hmm. So what was your first job, the, the one you got right off the bat? What was it, commercial? Or? It, was a, it was a Mattel commercial, yeah. Oh, wow. It was wow. a Mattel commercial. And I, it's funny because I, I remember interviewing with this casting agent, right? They were in Ogilvy and Matter. I think they're still around, actually. And, uh, and I, I remember Greg, I think, worked for them, too. But I, I got <laughs> yeah, he says yes. <laughs> job, job after job after job. And after a while, um, they were um, – and Greg was the same way because yeah, I know he, he worked a lot as well. You know, we just kept getting jobs. And after a while, it was a thing where we were just working. And, and I remember, uh, you know, you could just tell the kids the – one the kids, there was a small section of us, and I mean very small. Uh, that worked all the time and it just happened to be the right moment and when it hit it hit hard you just struck while the iron was hot yeah wow that's great now did your brothers work as much as you did almost as much actually it was a very strange thing we all were very fortunate that's awesome as a matter of fact i met uh ron howard uh and his dad for the first time when i was doing a uh at&t commercial up in santa barbara and it was uh rance howard uh Ron's dad that was the person who advised my mom that I should make sure to get my college education before I, I went on in show business. So wow. I mean, it's, it's weird to think about it. These are people I just grew up with. Right. And it, it made, it made sense. You know, I started college when I was 16 and you know, I, wow. I went on from there and got my pilot's license and all my other licenses, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have to do a show just on you, uh, on your, on your life after acting, Paul, because it's like <laughs> I know. out of yeah, this world. It is crazy. It's crazy. All the things you've done. It's crazy. Yeah. I know reading, reading the wonderful book written by our friend here, Greg. Greg, Greg Morton. And the Greg Morton. Book is, How tall are you? And it's by Greg Morton. Where can you get and that? <laughs> Amazon.com or MortonDesignWorks.com. <laughs> I'm, I'm really getting that book. That is so cool. You have You're to. It's, a, it's amazing. I, I you have, have to a, sign him. Yeah, book. send him a sign oh, book. Would you sign it for me, please? Absolutely. Thank you, bro. Oh, you want my name on it? <laughs> yeah. Just sign it, whatever. <laughs> All the love to you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> we know that Greg got his way into Scarecrow in a little bit unorthodox way they had already put somebody else in that role and then not started yet but had already picked somebody and then he came in but you were in there already so how did you get that role do you remember much on that yeah i do actually there was a massive casting call in hollywood i mean this was a big show because it was very secret hush hush kate jackson show thriller family and everybody through ever. I mean, all the A-line actors that you saw in the 90s, every single one of them, if they were in the business, went out for a Greg and I's part. Hmm. And um, it was a big deal. And I remember getting called to set, and I remember doing, you know, I think there was like six or seven interviews, different versions. I mean, it was a very intense 
uh, screening process. And I remember the first like three interviews, there was like a hundred plus kids there. Wow. It was crazy how many kids were there. And, you know, it's funny. I remember, I remember like the second to last or the, no, it was the last, uh, interview. And I do remember meeting Greg there. And I remember, uh, because they were like, yeah, we really like this kid, but we're not sure he's going to start. We have somebody else that we're also interested in. Greg came in and I, I gotta be honest with you. It was, it was, surreal to be standing there looking at Katie and knowing who she was, not really knowing, but kind of knowing and, uh, kicking off that thing. And, and it was, it was a big deal. And I remember, I remember exactly where I was standing when they told me I got the part. I was at school. I was, uh, it was, I went to a Catholic school and, and I was out there clapping the erasers, getting the chalk. <laughs> that showed wow. you how old I am. And uh, I remember my mom showing up to school and saying, uh, you got it. And that's all she said. She wow. said, no, no less. And I knew instantly what she was talking about. And my life changed ever since. That's amazing. How cool. I mean, to be a fly in the wall during that time would have been amazing, I'm sure. It was. Paul, you have you share your birthday with Bruce. Did you guys ever have any shared celebrations? You guys have the same birthday. We, we, we definitely celebrated on the same day, but Bruce's went way after hours. Mine didn't. <laughs> That boy, that boy knows how to have a good time, and I mean that the best way possible. He really <laughs> does. But you know, he'd always, he'd always remember my birthday. He'd always say, "Happy birthday, Paul." He says, "We, we boys got to stick together." And, and yes, that's cool. And he's uh, was always very kind about that. That's nice. Now, speaking of birthdays, all three of the the leading ladies uh, had birthdays in the same month in October. Did you guys ever? Yeah. Did they ever have anything that? You guys recall like a party or anything, or was it like only for adults? Oh yeah. Did they? Greg, do you remember? Greg, do you remember when we were over at um um it was Gary's house, the step coordinator? Gary Davis. That, my mom bought that giant box for Katie and Beverly and everybody else, and there was like a ton of different presents. And you kept opening it up, and they were so a lot of them were gag gifts, <laughs> and and some of them were like you know some of them were kind of off color to put it mildly, <laughs> and Katie rolled with it. And she laughed. And she had a great time, and the. With the, like the whole crew was there and we were all celebrating everybody's birthdays and it That's was awesome. it was very cool everybody just had a great time very cool yeah, i know i know we always celebrated and it's funny you should say that because i don't remember the party but when you started saying off-color gifts i was like yep i remember <laughs> then you remember so, those so I, I can say this there's one gift that i could probably talk about so there i don't know if they still have them or not but these, these old stores called spencers oh yeah they still know, have like them the, like the gag gifts okay so um there was a spray can that said uh spray when you hear bs right <laughs> so my mom and 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 greg's mom got together and they bought like th- like a six pack of this <laughs> and during katie's uh birthday they gave it to her as a joint gift and Katie, the next, you know, when they were doing the contract negotiations for the show to go to the next season, she brought those cans. And every time somebody started, she'd spray the can. That's <laughs> awesome. Like a foghorn yeah. or something going off. That'd be no, hilarious. It's kind of like a spray, kind of like a pledge like <laughs> spray or whatever. It's you know, bullshit spray. That's awesome. But, um, and uh, so, but it was, it was super cool. And, you know, Katie was always fun like that. Very cool. Oh, and Kazoos. I remember we also had Kazoos. I mean, Greg and I and Beverly, we all started playing Kazoos on set. We just broke into a Kazoo cause, uh, duet. It was crazy. And yeah. Katie jumped in and started doing it. Do you remember that, Greg? Yeah. Yes, I, I remember that not just the Kazoos, but there's a lot of times where the, the set would kind of get out of control and everyone would just start acting weird. Just get slap happy and, and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would imagine Over with 12, 13-hour days. <laughs> Too bad there's no video of that. I know, right? <laughs> what we wouldn't yeah. do to watch that. Yeah, I'm not so sure that video would have been flattering. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun, though, to see. Yeah, we got to see some bloopers uh, at the 35th. That that was a lot of fun to see because it was, you know, everybody oh. just kind of relaxed and there there was some. I don't I don't remember seeing any with you guys in there. No, I, do you, Jen? Just or Alex? Yeah. Yeah, Greg and I didn't make mistakes. So <laughs> well, that's no. why you guys are perfect. <laughs> hey, did you guys know we were in Mad Magazine, Greg and I? Yeah, I have the magazine. Are you kidding? Oh, hey, 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 hey. I totally have the yeah, magazine. Yeah, I remember Greg and I reading that. Somebody brought that on set. He goes, hey, guys, I got something for you. <laughs> and and there was us right there, and Greg and I were like, hey, you know what? We know we had reached a big I was going to say, you've made it magazine. now. We were like, what? Scarecrow oh, Mrs. Cool. Clean. Like, Do we really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I still have mine. Yeah, not super flattering uh, drawings. <laughs> That was the highlight of my life. <laughs> yeah, no, and we, uh, and Greg and I were like, whoa. Yeah, no, you, that was, that was Mad Magazine, cool. especially for boys back then, was huge. I remember my brothers were really into that, sh- to that magazine. I brag about that to people now, and they're usually like Lexi's age, and they go, uh-huh. <laughs> mad, mad what? Mad what? Yeah, that's exactly mad what I'm thinking. They're thinking like, oh, I'm, I don't know what that is. This must yeah. be. No, and then they, had, cool. then they had yeah. Cracked. Remember that one too? Cracked, that magazine. It was similar. Cracked was like a poor man's version of Mad Magazine. Yeah. It's like The Onion is now, you know, that satire. and uh, Yeah. Got it. I have to explain okay. things to her. When we first started watching the show, she's like, why don't they just call it from their cell phone? I'm like. Oh, stop. It was a joke. <laughs> stop. Well, that's hey, in that scene. Did you guys remember that scene where they had that, 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 little, that little pad with a little radio? That was like a mock cell phone. Oh, yeah. You know, they talking on that little box. They, yeah, they had, uh, yeah, from the show. Yeah, they had the little um, walkie-talkie type thing. Yeah. But they did have a cell phone on the show, too. Not this one, but they had a cell phone on there. Yeah. What are you showing us? Oh, you, wait. What are you, oh, what are you? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tape measure. Relax. Relax. Do you guys, re- I mean, all of us, sans Lexi, we had, I mean, we had those cell phones that were like the bag phones. First, we had the bag phones where you had to carry like this little sack with you everywhere. And then all the parts oh. were inside, right? And then you had the big cell phone that was like 12 inches long and uh, like weighed 10 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the, actually, it's interesting. Uh, one of my specialties is radiology, and I can tell you that the amount of energy that those phones put off was frightening. <laughs> and having that thing anywhere near your head, oh, great. not a good idea. <laughs> great. Good idea. Now you tell us, where were you in the 90s? <laughs> sure, a lot, there were that a lot ex- of those. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're twitching. What's wrong? <laughs> All right, well... inside and the Corvette hood was up and I was monkeying with his car. True story, Greg and I were actually messing around with the <laughs> injection system. Wow. And 
the director freaked out because in between cuts there was fuel spraying out of the motor because <laughs> I found the pressure relief valve for the injection rail, injection rail, and I pressed it just to see what it would do, and it sprayed gas. And oh man, were we in oh man, what are you doing? <laughs> that sounds that sounds 100% like us. <laughs> yeah, for her. No wonder yeah. Bruce was like, touch that car, car again, kid, and you'll be the last thing you do. <laughs> actually, it wasn't Bruce. He laughed himself silly. It was the director that was mad. Bruce actually says it in the in the episode. It's from season oh, four. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he does. So he probably heard him. He probably heard the director. <laughs> That is hilarious. Very curious. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Oh, and my, my other my other favorite is when Greg and I played Secret Agents. That was oh DOA, we that love was that one. So cool. That's the best episode. That was the best episode. That was so. You much guys fun. were so cute, and you had a, Paul. You had the little shoulder holster. It was so cute. I mean, you guys were adorable in that episode. That was so cute. That was from season two, DOA. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it was so cool. But if you watch just if you watch Greg and I, I mean, we were able to kind of take it there for a minute. And I just, that was so much fun on set. It was a blast. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That was, that was one of the best days of filming because you actually felt like you were contributing to the, the plot of the, of the overall show. Yeah. And, and so it was fun to participate on that level. Versus just being a kid in the kitchen. At the house, yeah. We're going to ask you five questions, and you guys have seconds to answer. Okay? So just don't overthink it. Five questions, 50 seconds. Okay? Paul, which fictional character would be the most exciting for you to meet in real life? Mel, without question. Uh, uh, I I think Mel's character would have been super cool to meet in real life. Okay. Lee Stetson. Oh, Okay, so you're you're like your mom. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, he was a spy. I mean, that was so that he was, was so a cool. Spy. Yeah. Philip King. Aww. Oh, I'm everything you brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Greg, you're up. Greg, do you believe in fate? Absolutely. Have, do you have like a special? Oh, you want me to give you an example? Yeah, I mean, do anything, I mean, anything like that stands out or no? Yeah, when I was uh, six years old, I had a dream about Kate Jackson. And when I was 10 years old, I went to work with her. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's super cool. That is pretty cool. cool. (laughs) True true story. (laughs) That is awesome. All right, what about you, Paul? Oh, without question, I believe in fate. Yeah. I I, I mean, I can give you a hundred examples. My medical career, my research, uh, working in show business, uh, getting to meet Greg. I mean, these are all things that you would have to be silly to think that, that I had a direct hand in that. There is something bigger than all of us out there. You can call it any number of things, but I absolutely believe in fate. Yeah. All right, Paul, what do you believe are the three major strengths of humanity? Adaptiveness, the ability to be kind, and more importantly, the willingness to make life better for others. A lot of people see examples out there of bad things. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about social injustice and we're talking about other very substantive issues, but I have seen kindness from strangers uh, recently uh, where people will reach out and strike up a conversation uh, regardless of who they are uh, and they just want to have communication. 
I've seen people make sure that other people have their masks or hand them one if they happen to be missing theirs. I've seen people allow folks that clearly are having a hard time standing in line to let them get in front so they can get their groceries. I believe in human kindness because I've seen the opposite in this world in my military career, my medical career. Mm-hmm. I can say that, uh, that those are things that I believe are true. What about the weaknesses? What would you say are our three weaknesses? I think fear. I think fear is a huge weakness. I think anger is another weakness. I think that a justified anger is, is, is important, uh, but fear breeds contempt and contempt breeds bad behavior. Good people can do bad things and it just, it feeds off of itself. And we as individuals and as leaders um, need to be able to step in front of those, those tides of badness and be the, the, the reason that, you know, saying, look, we need to treat each other with kindness. We need to be respectful regardless of race or ethnicity or, or orientation. We need to be those people that stand out there and make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I believe that by making the difference, by being that beacon of light, you bring others up with you. And I think ultimately that's been my goal in my life and everything I've ever touched is to make life better for people around me. Yeah. All right. Greg, can you top any of those? <laughs> what would you say? Uh, that, the, the top uh, three. I would say ditto, but... Um, <laughs> Read the question one more time. So the first what do you think are the three strengths of humanity? I, 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 think, I do think that Paul hit the nail on the head. I, the words that I would use are resilience, creativity, and learning. Nice. Um, I, I, think that, I think that humans have this, uh, this ability to, um, to change based on, on what they've learned and, and to find an obstacle that no one has ever been able to cross before and to find creative ways of, of crossing it mm-hmm. and and just keep going at it and until they do cross an obstacle or, or pass an obstacle. Um, and and I, I think that just kind of complements everything that, that Paul said. I don't, I don't think it's it's uh, different or 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 better um because i think that i think one of those strengths that we have as humanity is the ability to see the same thing from two different perspectives right and neither one of them are necessarily wrong yeah there's your truth there's my truth there's somebody else down the street's truth yeah yeah and and i think that's part of the problem that we have you know because I know the next question is the the weakness is yeah and I wrote I wrote down uh, fear ignorance and complacency yeah there you go I second that yeah you know, I think and, ignorance is a big think, one especially I right think now our inability to accept that two people can look at the same thing from different perspectives mm-hmm. is part of the problem that we have today right and um, I think it's I think that's a I think that's a race. I think that's a challenge that we have in, in the race discussion. I think it's the challenge that we have in the gender discussion, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that, that uh, that's one of our biggest weaknesses is that we just can't accept that uh, two people can look at the same thing and, and see it. And, and neither one, neither one are, are wrong necessarily. Right. And that's not saying there's good people on both sides. That's saying that talking about, let, let's say gender, talking about women in business, is that women will approach, sometimes women will approach business differently than men will. And because they see it one way and men see it another, 
and they can both be right. The challenge most men have is that they don't see that women can be right. And, and that's flat out wrong. I think I want a bumper sticker with that, that on there. (laughs) So, um, I think that that's, I think that's a a huge weakness of ours. Yeah. Those are all very spot on actually. Uh, if all obstacles were were removed, what do you think you would be capable of achieving? And I think you're up Greg on that one. If all obstacles, all obstacles were... were removed, what would you be capable of doing? Because I know your 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 least favorite word is can't. So you've removed all those obstacles. What what would you what do you think you would be capable of doing? Uh, feeding every child. Oh, I like that. Yep, I love that because yeah. there's a lot of problems in the world, and I care about almost none of them until every child gets fed. Yeah. Once we solve that, then I'll care about a lot more things. Right. Right. So if I could remove all obstacles. I'd be able to accomplish that. I love that. I love that you didn't just go to like what you personally would be able, like, like a, something that you would benefit from. You know what I mean? Like it, you went out to the global. I love that. I, I don't need, I don't need anything. And if I do, then I'll work to get it and I'll yeah. either accomplish that goal or I won't. But you know, if I have the ability, if I have one chance to remove all obstacles and achieve something, mm-hmm. it's not going to be for me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a waste of removing all obstacles. Agreed. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Honestly, it dovetails into what Greg said. I would like every child to have a healthy home yeah. to be accepted for who they are. I love that. And I think that uh, along with being fed... There's also the mental part of being accepted as a human. And those children out there, um, I, part of the program that I run at my current job is I feed, I have a significant contribution to the LBGT community mm-hmm. and homeless children and homeless moms with kids on the street and providing homes for people and letting them feel the dignity of being human. Yeah. And, and acceptance and helping people, you know, as a vet, for example, uh, helping folks that need somebody to talk to and bring that that acceptance, because if somebody can feel accepted and valued, it's amazing the amount of energy that they can bring to the table yeah. to make everything else better. Yeah. The things that they can do if somebody just believes in them and treats them with just a, a, a decent, you know, decency. Decency doesn't have to take away from you. I don't know why there's a zero-sum yeah. game with sharing uh, respect and honor. I feel I, it's not like you lose something by helping somebody. You gain so much from, from that. You know, you just, it it just, it makes you feel so good, you know, to help well, somebody. I, I don't know it's, why. It's not just helping. Don't. I, I want to I be, I, I want to be a little more specific on that. Honoring somebody by seeing who they are, right? Not everybody wants to be helped, but yeah, everybody true. wants to be recognized for the value they bring to the table. And when that is a credo that, you know, like Greg, of course, being fed is extremely important. Without that, nothing matters. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary is making sure that people feel recognized. I see you. Uh, there's an uh, old Indian greeting uh, from some of the native villages when I worked in there as a flight medic. Is one of the comments in, uh, in Tlingit was, I see you. So it was recognizing that person in the room, not just walking past them and giving some oblivious hello. Yeah, it's, I, it's amazing what you can learn from people if you take the time to learn. You guys are so cool. I love you guys. Um, okay, so now that we've gotten into the deep, deep questions, we have to end with with a fun one. Is cereal soup? Ooh, 
Depending on how much milk you want with it, yeah. So you think so? Cereal soup. Is cereal This is soup. a Lexi question, by the way, and I love it. That's a good question. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Think so? so it's soup. Okay. So it's like, it's like kind it of like a gazpacho. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah. yeah. It can be hot or cold. You can get, you, you oh, can that's have, true. you know, uh, grain cereals as, as, that's as true. you know, with hot and you can add milk to it. You can do all kinds of things. Absolutely. All right. So we've solved it. Cereal is in fact soup. Breakfast soup. Breakfast soup. Breakfast soup. I love it. I love, I love it. it. Nobody disagrees, yeah. right? We're all good. I'm good with that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we want to thank you guys for taking the time to talk with us uh, today. It's been such a pleasure. It's always a pleasure when we have Greg here, but it's now twice as good now because we have twice the fun with <laughs> Mr. Stout. Thank you so much, both of you. We have enjoyed this immensely, and I know our listeners are going to love it as well. So thank you very much to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. That's it for this episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles. We hope that you enjoyed it and please join us next time for the next episode. Bye. 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 Someone has to play the Miranda role. Bye. <laughs> 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 and then the curtain roll. Bye. <laughs> Be safe out there. places and we all have our unique skill sets and my my brother greg there is uh is a gifted artist and musician i believe he's also a author and a few other things so i think we'll forgive my occasional forgetfulness wait musician yeah. i don't know the musician part uh i'm learning to play the guitar i wouldn't call myself a musician i didn't know you could play guitar though. jennifer can attest to that very well yeah, I yes didn't, I, didn't play guitar. I thought you i thought i thought you sang though i thought you were pretty good actually Oh, yeah, you missed his birthday song. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it singing so much as wailing. <laughs> that was lovely. Like a cat. I wish I could sing, but... Yeah, I have I a lot of friends that... like to do karaoke, and I just can't do it. I, I love karaoke. <laughs> I love karaoke. Lexi hates karaoke beyond any... That's like her form of torture. I know, that's not my thing. It's not my thing, and that's okay. Not even, it's other not, it's that. not her having to sing. She's fine, you know, she just wouldn't do it. But it's the other people singing that makes her want to crawl under the table yeah. and die. It, it can be really Oh, that's bad. the best part. I know, oh, that's, absolutely. exactly, absolutely. that's what I say. It's yeah. like the best. I, 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 went, I, I went karaokeing, uh, I want to say about a year and a half ago, and I went with some friends of mine, and his, uh, his fiance uh, got up there and sang with us and belted out this like amazing ballad. And we were up there like singing a duet kind of thing. And I looked at her, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're really talented. She goes, oh yeah, I was on American Idol. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, that's like, awesome. You, you should give a disclosure before you do that. I don't want to be up there. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Miranda took us, uh, uh, took me and another friend to, when we went to Kentucky, she took us to a karaoke bar because we all love karaoke. And she didn't tell us it was like American Idol there. It wasn't, but I mean, it was like all these people could have been on American Idol. And I'm like, oh my God, like there was this one really bad older guy. And I'm like, I'm going after him. Right. <laughs> so I went after <laughs> him. Anything to move up. Yeah. It was like, at least I'm like sandwiched between, you know, somebody else will be better when I'm done. But then like, at least I'm a little better than that guy, you know? 
That's funny. Gosh, I'm here. In the past, but it seems to be a favorite COVID activity: people getting together and doing karaoke. I don't know why. You know, because in person, small groups of friends and everything to do. Hmm. They get together and sing karaoke and get away. Well, there you go. I stand on my front lawn and sing the cars that are driving by, but I don't think that's the same thing. Is that? Are you about. howling? Are you howling at the cars? Are you out there with Sammy, like howling? I've been arrested three times. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to convince him I'm not homeless. I live right here, but it's the beard. It's the beard. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs>